Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. Now I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Well, it's winter, so nothing. But yeah, that, that about checks out. We at least have this wonderful podcast and this wonderful television show to keep us warm. There is that. I mean, you know, silver linings and all. So... Unless you've got any objection, I think we just get into it. No, you know, sometimes we tease the kids a little too much. I, I think they want to just fire it off. Then let's do it. Ladies and germs, it's season four, episode seven, Meatball Montecito. It's spicy. Uh, let's get ready to swallow. And speaking of Italians, this is a LeVar Burton directed episode. LeVar, <laughs> of course, Italian for the VAR. Thank you. You get me. Yeah, got you. The original series had stereotypical Scottish engineer. Next Generation had stereotypical Italian engineer. It's a me, Jordy LaForge. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the one. Forging a new award core, Captain. <laughs> Spot on impression. It's it's lovely to meet you, Mr. Burton. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> At any rate, as we'd anticipated, there is some post-kidnap anxiety to be worked through. But it's actually on Danny's side of the fence because he's all, hey, you know, you went through a lot to Linda, like maybe take a beat before you go back to work. She's like, no, that's fine. And I don't want to see the therapist that's going to tell me it's okay that I killed a bunch of my friends like you, Daniel. I got out of there without a body count. Thank you. That's not true. Delinda didn't kill anybody. Well, in the sense that Danny didn't kill anybody either, but was approximately responsible for it. Uh, but for Delinda, those people don't die. Delinda never pushed a button. Danny did. Not true. She pushed Shooter's buttons and baited him into that call that set this all in motion. Oh, it's a stretch. We're going to have not, to wait for she, VAR. She's not going to get a silver star or anything, but she is just as culpable as Daniel. I, it, more of a Helen of Troy situation. She was just <laughs> hot and led ships to battle. It wasn't really her fault. Yeah, it was weird that the Greeks thought of a remote controlled bomb in a steel coffin, but not airplanes like that's They had their priorities all fucked up. Well, and half of them didn't think to check inside a big fucking horse. So, you know, strategic analysis was not always at the top of the game. Real gutters and strikes with the ancient Greeks, if you ask me. Speaking of gutters and strikes, Delinda not only doesn't want to talk about what happened, she's got some things she does want to talk about, though. Like, Danny put the fucking toilet seat down. How many times must she tell you in what is very clearly a normal reaction to something like this and not obvious stress deflection? Well, she did make it sound like she fell in because Danny chided her to look before she sits. And like, he I mean, he is correct. She should have. But I understand being pretty perturbed if you get <laughs> toilet water up your cooch like that's. That's a rough way to start your morning, kidnapping or not. I mean, it'll wake you up. The best part of waking up, turl it in your cooch. 
I mean, better than the incest Christmas ads, so. Here are my present this year. Or fucking Folgers. They were the ones with the incest Christmas ads. I was going for a boom roasted setup because it's coffee. You know, because you roast coffee beans. Do you, though? Yes. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. Either way, much like this podcast, it's going to set off a very dumb argument between Danny and Delenda where they're going to decide, you know what? This is a good time to list everything that frustrates us about each other. Bad idea to begin with, but worse when Danny goes to the notebook he's kept of these. That was a strong to the hoop play. I mean, if, if Delinda really wanted to go down that road, Danny just wanted to let her know he was prepared to. He's not coming up with these off the cuff. They're well thought out considerations. Delinda went to him looking for a promotion, citing all the good work she's done around the office. And he said, well, not only are you not promoted, but I have here the list of things you've done that's fucked up. Turns out you're fired. Um, hmm. We weren't going to say anything, but, you know, you forced our hand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not going to work here anymore anyway. <laughs> Chekhov alert. One of the issues that our young Delinda cites is a thing she hates about young Danny is his dance moves. What do you bet we're going to see Danny dancing at some point this episode? I mean, that's pretty safe bet. The, the only question is, how bad will it truly be? Spoilies, real bad. <laughs> On the casino floor, Mike finds a teenager staring up at the ceiling and uses this opportunity to divulge specifics about the Montecito surveillance procedures. Michael, Michael, stop this. What are you doing? We've literally already done a plot of students showing up and fucking with your security system to do what could have been much, much worse, but really just to hack your video board. My guy, what are you doing? So this fucking kid is looking at a security dome and asks Mike technical questions. And instead of backrooming him immediately while he calls Metro because somebody's casing his joint, he corrects him. He's like, no, no, no. We're using much older, worse gear. <laughs> Way easier to fuck with. And like, look, this isn't a security issue, but it should be. And secondly, of course, this fucking kid is going to MIT. Of course. Because you've got two awkward peas in an awkward pod, and they just, God, I want to put them in Delinda's coffin, which I know is currently Shooter's coffin, and leave them there. Not to die, but just for the rest of the episode. We'll put enough air in there for, we'll give them, we'll give them 29 minutes. So, you know, we're not counting the commercial breaks. They'll be fine. R.I.P. 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 But look, this kid is here on a high school trip. They're all here to see UNLV, but not him because he's going to the aforementioned MIT and he busts Mike's balls about having gone to MIT because he's like, oh, you went to MIT and now you're in surveillance. Motherfucker, you were just geeking out about the surveillance equipment, asking about RFID tracking like, no, uh, uh, nice try. It does seem like it is things up his alley. I, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. I thought it was just the I mean, how many times have we done the wait, you went to MIT, but you work here. Not as much since the valet days, but yeah, this kid, this kid sucks. If you come up to me and you express genuine interest and start geeking out in a thing that I'm geeking out about and then try to bust my balls in it, I will pop you in the mouth. And that is a stark betrayal. Was all this bullshit? You're just suckering me in so you could dunk on me. Cool. How's my elbow taste in the back of your head? 
It's only going to be a flagrant one. You're going to stay in the game, but you're going to feel it. God damn. Well, turns out he's really not all that interested in security as much as he is in getting laid. Because the most surprising fact of the episode, this fucking dork is a virgin. Who would have thought? Wait, 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 wait. A, a nerdy high school kid going to MIT has not yet had sex? The magic of television, man. Who knows what they'll come up with next? Wow. Especially if he's on a high school trip full of people looking to go to UNLV, which is a balls to the wall, amazing hospitality school. And that's it as an undergrad program. Come on. Yeah, it seems like there should have been plenty of people in your high school that you could have gotten laid with if, it, if the interest oh, no. in UNLV was that high. My point is they've sussed this motherfucker out like he is on the cool kids trip and they know he is not a cool kid. Whoa. Yeah, he's definitely in the corner back seat by himself. He was the only person on this trip that was also on the math team. <laughs> and he sits first row of the bus with the teacher so he doesn't get his ass kicked. The problem is they lost because he couldn't come up with the answer for 69. Hey, it was my understanding that there would be no math. Mary swings by Ed's office and asks if he's got a second. And in the second fatal mistake of the episode, Ed doesn't say, no, I don't. Sorry. Can you leave? And instead says, sure, Mary, what's up? And she actually has some ostensibly good news. Years ago, she designed a million dollar wedding package, entirely a marketing gimmick. Never expected anyone to book it. It's just sort of like a headline grabber. I'm sure there was some, you know, get the local paper. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody wants it. The guy's like, great, super book it. Well, here's the problem. One of the things you get for a million bucks is uh, a performance by Wayne Newton. And uh, aren't you and he beefing? It's a bit confusing this early in the episode for the viewers, because we've seen Wayne Newton on the show not that long ago. He was on the episode when Norma chomped down on a finger and Danny had to play the world's worst bucket list with her. And one of the requests was, why don't you get old Wayne to come in, do a little show? And he does for about 20 seconds. And as he's leaving, Danny says, hey, you know, Montecito owes you one. And Wayne just goes, no, just tell Ed that my debt is cleared. So it seems like if anything, they'd be on a even table, but... I guess things have gone awry since. See, I actually think this is this proves out Wayne's attitude because Wayne was pissed when he left. And we assumed at the time it's because Norma just was blowing him off. You know, here you've got the legend crooning in your hotel suite and you're like, yeah, whatever. What's on Showtime? I think it's because he begrudgingly had to settle the score with Ed, mm. who he he hated. But Wayne, a man of integrity, or is he, was not one to shirk a debt owed. But, you know, now that that's square, fuck you, Big Ed. That's mm, an, an interesting theory. There's uh, layers to this shit, player. Onions, baby. But yeah, Ed says, fuck that guy. I'm not apologizing. You can go call somebody else. No dice. I, I would like to. You've you've been through a marriage. Seemingly a good one. Still going well. Yeah, your use of the past tense suggests something I don't know I, about. I, I, I realized that there was a, a possible misinterpretation available, so I wanted to clear that up real quick. Uh, shout out. But to the best of your knowledge, I am still currently married. I, as far as I know. Sounds okay. like things are going great. 
If they're not, it's going to be really awkward next month when I see both of you. (laughs) That will be awkward. But for this million dollar wedding, you get a catered wedding for 300 guests. Yeah. A a consult with Harry Winston or somebody from Harry Winston. Was the ring included? The six carat ring? I think so. Yes. Okay, that I think confirms that it's a reasonable enough offer, I guess. But then also the Wayne Newton performance, because at first the way Ed said or the way that Mary said it made it sound like you just get to meet with the Harry Winston people like you get front of the line, but you still then have to also buy the ring on top, which did not feel like a very good bargain. No, I don't think there's a lot of bargain to be had, even if the uh, the ring is included. I think a lot of this is the service aspect of it Mm -hmm. because they go from booking it to it happening. And yes, time vortex notwithstanding, but in days, not weeks. And so I think you do all the planning bullshit. Well, I think you're paying a lot for like snap to it. The shit's happening now. Like Wolfgang's going to cater my dinner for 300 people. That's happening in four days. And Harry Winston is going to stop everything to move my ring to the front of the line and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Okay. I I, I can see that then. But Wayne Newton has got to be a big part of that nugget, right? I mean, that's... I mean, mean, you would have to be a big Wayne Newton fan because otherwise, if I'm dropping a mill, I'm not like if Paul Inc. is on the board, no goddamn chance. You got to pay me a million dollars. He's going to ruin my fucking (laughs) wedding. Get out of here. I'll, if if it includes I get to put Paul Anka in the metal coffin in the middle of the desert, <laughs> yeah. then maybe we're talking. And now all of a sudden it is actually a legitimate bargain. <laughs> Steal at twice the price. I thought the coffin was aluminum. I honestly don't recall. Because you said it was steel at twice the price. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, didn't even see the bullet coming before it killed me. Monster. God, and I left one on the table earlier, too. Well, that'll teach you. Yeah. It was a really good check off, check off joke about the list. Would have been great. As it was, you caught a supersonic sniper round to the back of the dome. <sighs> Mistakes have been made and they will continue to be made as we will learn in the security office. When Danny realizes that, you know, keeping personal things personal, overrated. Let's ask a dumb question that I don't actually want the answer to and ask Mike if he's a good dancer. Mike, ever a good friend, doesn't come out and say, no, you're a goofy ass white boy. He says that he is unconventional. I wouldn't say that Mike really sold it all that well, but he he made the best effort he could to try and sugarcoat it. This made me wonder, like, is there like a a template you know, like 10 or 12 questions that you should routinely ask your friends to make sure that your ass isn't showing like this. Like, hey, you know, it's been five years. Let me check in. Like, am I a good dancer? How's my fashion sense? Am I, am I actually funny or do people just are they being nice to me? Like, because, you know, I mean, I've never asked somebody if they think I'm a good dancer or not. Like, you know, think about all the other things that you just you've got your own sort of image in your mind. And sure. then all of a sudden, like, Dan, I mean, this is an existential crisis because it's not that Danny thinks he's fine. Danny thinks he's good. And this is a violent wake up call. This is turlet water up, up the cooter levels of wake up call. Yeah, it, it is very clear that Danny has a hilariously outsized image of his dancing ability. But the, some if, if you're that far gone, 
I don't know if the temperature check is actually going to help or not, as we see here. Well, that's why I'm saying, like, do, does this need to be a thing where you periodically check in, like on the fives and zeros? You consult like the three closest people to you. You're like, hey, just conducting a self inventory. Any any advice? Yeah, it'd be like, well, you know, Eddie, I'm glad you asked. We've noticed that your dance moves have been trailing off a little bit. Um, we would like to see up those numbers a little bit. Got to got to get those reps in. You're still hilarious. We love you on that. Um, your singing still clutch, but I know you think you're good at foosball and you're not. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how to tell you this, but like you're just not. We'll we'll wait. A, a 23 feels like a bad year, but it, in 2025, you and I can do a self check in. We'll we'll let folks know. We'll record a new episode just to <laughs> let people know how our inventory goes of each other. Listeners, feel free to email us some questions. Pot at Montecito at gmail.com. Let us know what we should be asking as part of our self-inventory. That'd be great. Also, just assume that we are going to answer that we are great at whatever you ask about. Yeah. Knowing us and our and our brand of humor, that's how that's going to go. <laughs> Mike, Mike, however, he's not just offering the the cruel awakening. He's trying to help his boy. He, he says, look, I'll show you how to dance. I'll show you what you need. Renowned choreographer. A choreo animator. Yes. I make up dances for cartoon characters. Yes. Mike Cannon, teaching people to dance throughout the seasons. Noted backup dancer as a pip. I feel like backup dancer is is underselling it. The, the pips themselves are side characters at best, at least. And I'm saying, in retrospect, if I had a friend that was a pip, I would be proactively soliciting advice. Yeah, you would actually want that advice very much so. Like if you knew a baseball player like who maybe played college or retired from the MLB and then all of a sudden like you're in like a fucking work softball league, you might just be like, hey, man, we're best friends. Can you give me like a 30 minute crash course? You want to want to go to the cage? How can I improve? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the cage, hit a few balls, maybe uh, see what you see. Yeah. They offer me, you know, if nothing else, like a little trash talking workshop. So I get in the in the pitcher's head like, come on, I need something here. Well, Dan- Danny is not here for personal growth. He's he's shutting down completely. But Mike's not going to stop. He's just going to start dancing himself when the brand new cute security girl is going to walk in and let the boys know, hey, it's not dance time. It's work time. We got a problem. Turn on your cameras, you dum-dums. And we've got Jimmy the Chin, a.k.a. Sal or Big Pussy from The Sopranos fame along with several other members of the Gambisi crime family just strolling on into the casino. At any time you're working security and surveillance and the fucking Jersey Shore shows up on your doorstep unannounced, that's a rough day in the office. Yeah, it's not good. Mike Mike is stunned at the audacity. He's just all, look, I mean, this motherfucker knows he's blacklisted. What? What? No one does this. What are we doing here, guys? Meanwhile, Mary is tasked with an even worse chore, which is managing what appears to be a pretty strained relationship between the bride and the would-be mother-in-law. And the parents of the groom seem to be on the right side of the law, but their baby boy has gone and gotten himself enchanted by the daughter of the aforementioned mobster. And boy, is this chick's jersey showing in a very, very big way. And I do not mean that as a compliment. Yeah, I have in my notes that Carla, our bride-to-be, is as stereotypically New Jersey as is possible in a show. They 
again, central casting, knocking it out of the park once again here. Carla says Gabagool about once a week. Easy. Once a week? Fuck that. Twice a day. Well, I mean, she's she's cutting, trying to get in wedding shape. Come on. That doesn't mean she's not around it. Hey, can you keep the Gabagool away from me? I've got a wedding dress to fit into. Exactly. It's but, a me, Princess Peach. <laughs> also, weirdly voiced by Chris Pratt. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It has to be Chris Pratt because she's white. If she wasn't white, then it would, of course, be Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> of course. But the good news is Sammy Davis Jr. will be played by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> but to complete the Jersey Princess motif, Carla lets Mary know, I don't care about whatever's in the package. There's only two things that I really need out of this wedding. Number one, I want to walk down the aisle to Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Fantastic choice. Who could blame her? Me? I don't think that's a good walk down the aisle of your wedding song. Oh, no, it's not at all. But it's a jam. <laughs> you just said fantastic choice. Who could blame her? And I think you, by your own admission. <laughs> it's a hilarious choice, if nothing else. That I will grant you. And then number two, which I had more questions about, was a diamond encrusted cake. Now we've got diamonds two on the diamond. Diamonds on the diamond. One, how are you going to cut the cake? You, the diamonds cut the sharpest stuff. What cuts the thing that cuts the sharpest stuff? Whatever they use to cut diamonds. Lasers. Okay. Point for Carla. Oh, yeah, that would getting be cool getting as fuck. a cake. You need to laser open. Pretty great. Yeah, that's actually now you're getting your money's worth out of that mill. I get. I guess that gets through question two, which is. Do you really want to eat a cake that was covered in diamonds? But I definitely want to eat a cake that was just cut open with a laser in front of me. So the the latter way outweighs the former. Well, I'm thinking also it's probably like, uh, you know, like the show cake is the diamond encrusted one. Mm. And then, you know, everyone else is getting fucking Costco sheet cake. Yeah. The groom's cake that looks like the football helmet of the school he went to. Correct. Yeah. All right. That's fair. This is like this is going to be like the little show butt cake they put in front of them. Ooh, taking pictures, both of you holding the knife. Oh, you got a frosting. The laser. Well, they're not giving them the laser. They've got to cut it. I mean, they're like pretending to hold the knife, whereas fucking Wayne Zelensky is on the other side of the room ready to go (laughs) with the laser. Hope that guy doesn't sneeze with the spotlight. You need a steady hand on that guy. Keep him away from the open bar. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. But yeah, as you mentioned, it is very clear that the groom, Cooper, as we will learn later on, his parents fucking hate this girl. Danny and Mike attempt to 86 the mobster on the basis of him, you know, being in the black book. The guy's like, uh, no, that's not going to work out because unbeknownst to you, I've actually booked the million dollar wedding package. So why don't we just go to Big Ed's office and figure this out? Because I don't deal with people like you. I mean, he he did very reasonably say, or give me my $1 million right now. Your choice. Which probably would have been great for him because you know he's got to launder some money. So he's like, hey, God, my initial thought after this scene was that Mary fucked up by not telling security surveillance about this. But then I was like, well, why would she? I mean, someone books a million dollar wedding package. You don't necessarily background check them. So I feel like there's an operational breakdown somewhere. I just don't know where and I don't think it's with Mary, but there's got to be like they need some left hand talking to right hand 
IT back, you know, hardware kind of thing. I, I think what needed to happen is when you type in the name to any system of the Montecito, it pings the blacklist to make sure that they're not on it. I think is the only real way. Because otherwise, I think you're right. I mean, you're not background checking everybody that comes to a fucking convention. You're not. It's just not the business model. Because again, your security of the casino, you don't really give a shit about the other stuff. Well, and presumably they they've got a hotel room. So that should have triggered a flag. And presumably they also paid for this whole thing in straight cash, homie, which also should have been a red flag. I mean, you know, get it right to the cage. They we just had a shortage of up to twenty five million dollars on the floor. Like, oh, thank God. Cash rolling in. Great. Book it. If you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. We come out of the intro and we get Big Ed talking to Jimmy the Chin. And God, what a just delight this was. And I thought for sure this was going to pay our Spacebook wager right out of the gate. I was very, very concerned. But uh, Ed just wants to know if Jimmy's there to rob the joint. And Jimmy goes, yeah, bud, my guys are fucking casing it right now. Come on. I'm trying to get my daughter wedded here. You come to me like this on the first day of preparation of my daughter's wedding. Turns out the reason this guy's here is mostly he wants to keep the feds away from the wedding, which I don't know why this will do that. We've established there are feds in Vegas. They probably saw he flew across the country. Yeah, the whole part of Fed is federal, which means they can go to any of the states. They don't have to wait in Jersey. <laughs> well, I hate to correct you on your own show, Casey, but there's 52 states with Alaska and Rhode Island. And then the second part of it is he also really wants to meet Wayne Newton. Rut row. Yeah. And in almost the same breath as like, and you, Ed, you're a stand-up guy, so I know everything's going to go off without a hitch. But hey, here's some Cuban cigars to grease the skids just in case. I also love that not only is it, I've heard you're a stand-up guy, we've got mutual friends, and I think I can help you out with your little sanitation problem. You're paying a little too much. We get a little uh, old-time haggle. Yeah, so Big Ed's going to save 7%. That is far in excess of the million dollars for the wedding. I have to assume. You know that Ed's going to make sure this goes without a hitch. He he knows that the Wayne Newton has to happen now. But I'm kind of surprised. Like, why doesn't why doesn't the chin ask for a little haircut on the wedding price? Like, hey, you know, I'm going to save you seven points. Uh, why don't we call this an eight hundred thousand dollar wedding package? You know, the papers don't have to know. You can call it the million dollar. Throw one of those little uh, starry guys up in there. You can do little little bitty types. You know, the the lawyers do. Do I, Jimmy the Chin, look like a guy who's bothered by terms and conditions? Me? Jimmy the Chin? T's and C's? T's and C's? For me? Come on, I'm walking here. <laughs> That's not what we do in the sanitation business. Delinda turns to Sam for some help with formulating her list of things that suck about Danny. Which, come on. If you're already having to go to the bullpen and you're still on page one... I, you've got to just let this game go. Dirty pool. Bad, 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 bad. And Sam is preoccupied. She's got a whale coming to town, an old timer named Sharky, who used to be with the Rat Pack and is apparently quite the lady killer. So he's got that going for him. And you contrast that with our soon to be MIT nerd who is in the background getting a drink thrown in his face while this conversation between Sam and Delinda is taking place. 
the dichotomy there was beautiful. I really enjoyed the just in the tracking shot, the nerd kid is catching a martini to the dome. Well, and the poetic juxtaposition of old time lady killer with young blood stepping on his dick. The metaphor alone knocks me down. But since Sharky's not here quite yet, Sam will at least hear D out. So wants to know what she's got. And man, we th- we already thought Delinda was in trouble in this game. She's stretching and even tells Sam about the bad dancing thing. And even Sam's like, come on, man, you don't. That That's fucked up. What about the fact that she's best friends with your dad? That's way worse, right? Which this was just chaotic, evil Sam being like, let's just toss a Molotov, see what happens. Right. Holy shit. I mean, like she's going strong to the hoop. And then finally gives a crack about how anytime Danny walks by a mirror, he has to check himself out. And we then very funnily pan back to Delinda, who is checking herself out in the reflective sign. And Sam realizes, no, you two fucking idiots are perfect for each other. Shut up. See you, Narcissa. I'm out. It was a very good bit. And at that moment, Sharky is wheeled in in a wheelchair by his handler, who's got some fucking gremlin ass rules for Sam. Guy can't drink, he can't smoke, no red meat, and if he should gamble, no more than 45 minutes at a session. Fuck that. Yeah, this lady's fired. And Sam attempts to blow her off, but this woman's like, hey, do with this information what you will, but a very litigious family is waiting in the wings if you fuck this up. So go with God. Which, what? if all these things are on the board, why, if he is somehow in their control or whatever this is, why are you letting him go to Vegas in the first place? And you can't, as far as I know, and I'll defer to you, the legal expert of this podcast, you can't arbitrarily make up rules that you then foist onto a third party. Otherwise, I'd be very, very rich. <laughs> yeah, I I would sue Jerry Jones every year because my rules, the Dallas Cowboys are not allowed to do anything but win the Super Bowl. And once again, fucking blew it. So suing. It's probably going to be class action. There's a lot of us. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be doing well this century. Yeah, ever since 1997, I'd be fucking made in the shade. Yeah, I uh, I don't think there's a whole lot that this lady's actually got on Sam. And it's not surprising why the second she leaves, Sam is like, all right, Sharky, what's on the menu for the weekend? And Sharky hits her with the obvious. We're going to drink. I'm going to gamble. And then I'm going to get laid. And presumably afterwards, he's going to have a cigarette while eating a raw steak. Right. Danny checks in with Big Ed, who is concerned about how Delinda's handling the aftermath of her kidnapping, but wants to be clear, gives no shits about what's going on in their relationship, especially when Danny talks about the fight. He's like, what's it about? And Danny starts him in. And you can just tell Big Ed's like, I, you know what? I actually don't care. Um, yeah, never mind. Withdrawn. I, I don't I don't. Danny and Delinda World is a nightmarish theme park from which there's no escape. I refuse to engage. But that's not the only bait that's not going to get taken because Ed's going to get a call from Wayne Newton, who's still pretty angry. Yeah, he is frosty right out of the gate. Doesn't seem like there's a, a whole lot of a chance for for peace here. But, you know, Ed's like, look, that that whole, you know, that deal that we signed up for to do the million dollar wedding that ostensibly they probably have Wayne getting a cut of somehow. Not sure otherwise how it would work. But yeah, somebody bought it. So uh, how about you uh, get your tux out and let's do the thing? See, what's crazy is in Neon City, 
you can just force your third party concerns on someone. <laughs> they did this package and Wade Newton just has to do it. He gets nothing. And he's got to eat any costs that he incurs or just on Wayne. Like, sorry, man. You should have thought of this. There's a contract between us and this other person. You got to do it. Dummy. You wouldn't want to be in breach of someone else's contract, would you? God, man, I should have been a lawyer in Vegas. Turns out at some point, Ed called Wayne both a liar and a cheat in front of his friends, embarrassing him. And Ed's only reply was, okay, and was any of that wrong? Suggesting that Big Ed's heart really isn't in the apologizing game as much as the hoping this was just going to go away game. Yeah, and well, the call's going to go away because they're both going to get a parting shot in before angrily hanging up on each other just in time for Mary to walk into the office. Hey, boss, did that work? Are we in? No, because Ed's suggestion is to call up Paul motherfucking Anka, which I, I had a physical revulsion when he said it. I would like to read you verbatim from my notes that were taken contemporaneously with this episode that you and I both talked about last time we had no recollection of. Big Ed doubles down on his claims, and that appears to be that, with Ed suggesting that Mary call Paul Anka, which if she does, I'm ejecting from the rest of this episode, and you'll have to do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. If the if we'd come out of the sea break and Paul Anka had been on the horn, I was literally stopping the episode. I would have sat here with you. I would have... I would have joked with you. I would have asked you some questions that came up, but I literally would not have finished the episode. <laughs> well, it's good to know that we have mutually assured Anka destruction, and hopefully it never comes to pass because I don't know if the world or certainly this podcast will survive the fallout. I mean, it just abruptly ended one episode. We'll be back the next one. Eh, fair enough. I Unless didn't know it's if a it multi-part a... Paul Anka arc, in which case, God help us all. I was going to say, I was worried that just his mere appearance meant he was back on the guest list and potential sightings in the future was going to be too much to bear. Oh, yeah. He's just an automatic stop on that episode. <laughs> just if I see him, he's out. Hit the music button. We're good. Dylan just called on to referee a dispute between the chin and the puck <laughs> because it turns out Jimmy wants his mother to use Wolfgang's kitchen to cook the wedding dinner for 300, which has Wolfgang borderline apoplectic. Like, motherfucker, I'm Wolfgang Puck. This is my kitchen. Go fuck yourself. We, uh, again, now the value is just plummeting because you got to do your own cooking for 300. I mean, I'm sure grandma makes a mean sauce, but uh, that's, that's a lot of sauce. Mr. Schneider, and you were directly under her the entire time. Mr. Scott, that's what she said. Well, delivery's all wrong. I'm butchering it. Yeah, when was the last time this bitch fucking catered for an army battalion? Like, like 16, 20 people on Sunday dinner? No doubt in my mind. But 300? I don't think she's got the, the mental chops to put together the itinerary for that. It's a, uh, I mean, it could be she's just going to set out the recipes and she'll be sort of head chefing with lots of, lots of line cooks in, in the game, but... She's she's going to exact this and knock uh, Wolfgang down to sous chef. God, that would be incredible. But you're right. Wolfgang is just apoplectic, says this is fucking insane. There's no chance, which gives us a very funny Jimmy asking where he's from. And when Wolfgang says Austria, Jimmy's like, yeah, exactly, motherfucker. We got people coming in from the motherland. 
We don't want your fucking schnitzels. And look, I was with Jimmy right up till he brought schnitzels into it because those are fucking delicious. Schnitzels are delicious. He's not he's not wrong, but he's an asshole here. If I'm at a wedding and they're serving Wolfgang Puck schnitzel, easily the best wedding I've ever been to. (laughs) Full stop, period. I, I would be worried that Puck does some weird stuff with a schnitzel. Well, I mean, but in the comfort of his own room. Well, I mean, we know what old Gunther would be doing. He calls Benito a schnitzel. <laughs> or plays hide the schnitzel, one of the two. He plays hide the bratwurst with his schnitzel. Ah, there you go. A real turducken situation going on. <laughs> but the Linda hashes out a deal in which she says, all right, Wolfgang, you're going to prepare a tasting, but he was like, fuck that. I'm not auditioning. Hang on. Yes, you are. You're going to put together a tasting menu. Mama Chin here is going to weigh in on it. You impress her. We're good to go. And I was genuinely excited to see how this part of the story plays out. I'm like, yep, I am here for Mama Chin v. Wolfgang. I could have used another just half hour of only that. I wanted to see Mama Chin v. Wolfgang and like an Iron Chef secret ingredient battle. Yeah, dude, that would have been sick. And you know what the secret ingredient would be, right? What's that? Wow. Really putting the thumb on the scale for old Mama Chin, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, Wolfgang's obviously the the Iron Chef in this situation. That's that's got to get the leg up. That's fair. Mike is watching the idiot from MIT or soon to be MIT get shot down once again, catch a big old slap at the bar. And after laughing at him for a while, decides to call in a big collar and get his ass tossed because, you know, he's a high schooler and he's in a bar where he shouldn't be. He's going to get the hook and run right into Mary and ask, hey, are you working tonight? Oh, sweet, sweet, naive Mary says, of course, sweetie. What what do you need? And we get it. And Leo says, well, I saw season one, episode one. (laughs) So I was curious if you'd get up on this dick for me. Turns out, while Leo had the throwback to Mary Hooker vibes, Mary has, much like Mike and the rest of his former family, forgotten all about her past (laughs) days as a hooker and just leaves exasperated. And she briefly covers up her tits, which like her her dress can do that. But the next time we'll see her, she has undone it. I was going to say not not very well. With her dress. At some point, she consciously decided, you know what? I'm not going to let this douchebag ruffle me, ruffle my feathers. I'm back to pseudo prosty mode. <laughs> Look, Leo's very lucky he didn't get slapped again. I was fully expecting it. And like Mary could have reached way back for this one. We've seen she's got she's got that quick trigger release, too. Here's how the rules for power slap are going to work. Sharky is struggling to get the good vibes going. He's at a at a table playing blackjack. Tips a cocktail server $500 for his martini and legitimately gets the coldest reaction I've ever seen from a cocktail server in the history of humanity. She she was, in fact, more friendly and flirtatious as she was putting the drink down than when she got the tip. It was just like robot. I'm out. Gone. Yeah. Five lady. Five hundred dollars for one drink. And he had one in front of him suggesting Worst case scenario, he averages two fifty a drink. Come on, come on! It's a good batting average. I'll keep you in the majors for a while. 
But Sharky's not feeling it. He's like, I right, just get out of here. And Sam's like, no, 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 let's let's keep this going. We'll just up the minimums. That'll get your juices going. And he's like, yeah, you'd think so. Except this one time at the Sands, I was playing with Frank, had 500 grand out there, split it, hit it, won a million dollars. Then the next day, lost all in a poker game with the Prince of Monaco. So you can see this does not hold the same appeal to me that it once did. Which, holy shit, that sounds like a fucking weekend right there. Especially with inflation. Like, yikes a That is a probably $15 million loss, like swing. <laughs> it's a big, it's a, it's a, a night to remember. Let's put it that way. I mean, for him, this is probably the equivalent of like, if you and I went to Vegas and we're playing blackjack for a dollar a hand. Yes, 100%. We'd be like, this is, this is stupid. We did, we did get a very funny bit prior to that story where, you know, Sharky's like, look, I, I just, you know, the 500 bucks, just give a guy a smile. I'm old. I just need a little interaction here. And Sam sort of like poses and gives this big smile, which was very amusing. And Sharky just hits her with a nice try, kid, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. The interactions between Sharky and Sam this episode are are quite good. And there's a lot that happens that's uh, like between the spoken words between them. That's very funny. Yeah. But it's diamond shopping time. Woo! Hurrah! We're up in the suite and Carla wants the biggest rock you got. And the groom's dad is just, he's all in about the food. You got your clarity. You got your color. You got your cut. And blah, 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 blah. And Jimmy just says, sweetheart, get the biggest one. Look, his future daughter-in-law is a classless airhead. But this guy, fucking Cooper's dad, needs to suck it up. A, for his son's happiness. But B, he's fucking with mobsters. Bro, shut the fuck up. They will put you in the dirt. Yeah, read the room, my guy. There are three mobsters right there, and they are all named mobsters. These aren't even just lowly henchmen. These guys are up in the world. Yeah, these are fucking capos and a head of the family, and you're going to fucking front to them? And look, not to gild the, the lily argument here, but also not your money, bud. Yeah. Jimmy's foot in the bill for this. Hang back in the cut. Yeah. You're fine. The soon-to-be mother-in-law may be able to get away with this just because M.I.L. Harpy is a long and proud tradition in American cinema and TV. But the husband just just asking to be taken for a walk outside to never be seen again. But all you need to worry about is the rehearsal dinner and the speech you give there. Go go to sleep. Yeah, like, make make it quick. Yeah. We also, before this ends, Carla's going to ask Danny to pick between two of the larger rocks, which the way she asked, I was like, because again, famously didn't remember anything about the episode. Oh, no, Danny boy. Are you about to get yourself walk yourself into a real bad trap here? Because there was some flirtatiousness to Carla that was concerning. Yeah, I was like, oh, did did Danny fuck Carla at some point? <laughs> Because there's she cares way too much about his opinion. Yeah, I was I was just waiting for a, a quick pan over to Jimmy, who's just glaring holes into Danny. Yeah, you know, fucking limp dick Cooper wasn't going to say anything. No. That piece of shit. He's he is smart enough to keep his damn mouth shut during this whole thing. There was a fun moment where one of the capos is like, hey, so how, how much are all these diamonds were? That was like oh, about two million dollars. <laughs> Everyone's like, hey, yo. Mamma mia. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, the spicy meatball. <laughs> God, those guys are great. All of them were so good. 
Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. But the the more concerning question for young Daniel, Jimmy wants to know what's uh what's going on with old Wayne Newton. And you just see the panic covering Danny's face as he hopes for a cut to any other scene. He immediately calls in ordinance on his paws into his next L. While Mary is trying to get to the bottom of the beef between Big Ed and Wayne. And it turns out that he and Wayne were playing in a charity golf tournament some time ago. Wayne carded an incorrect score. He illegally grounded his club in his sand trap, which should have been a two-stroke penalty. He did not record it as such. Ed says, look, normally I don't give a shit. Whatever. Except Wayne asked me to sign the card to attest to it, thereby putting my honor at risk. Not going to do that. As noted golf enthusiasts that we are, Ed is 100% correct here. Yep. Yep. It's not even close. Like, fuck Wayne Newton. I mean, it sounds like Ed probably needed to to handle it, the messaging a little bit better just because it's a small town and Wayne's a big name. But like if some fucking yokel, I don't know, pulls this shit on the golf course and asks me to sign his card. Uh-uh. Nope. We, we live in a society, ladies and gentlemen. There are rules. Look, and this is like Crimson Tide and the emergency action message, but nuclear launches. There's a reason there's an attest line on the scorecard. It's because it's a self-policing game and you need someone to vouch for that. If it was just a sign it because I said so, there would be no need to sign it. Golf courses are like nuclear submarines. They're basically identical. One gets a little more sun, but that's really the only difference. Yeah, I'll leave that there. (laughs) Nothing else is funny. Chief of the watch on the one MC. Dive, dive. Mary this whole time is just aghast that all of this is over what she seems to think is a silly golf game. And Ed, of course, pulls Danny in, who answers uh, mostly correctly. He thought it was a one-stroke instead of a two-stroke penalty, but he was right that, no, nah, man, you can't ground your club in a bunker. What are we talking about here? And Danny, while we've obviously long established his sporting acumen, not really the golf type. No. But before we can litigate this further, Mike runs all the way down the strip to Big Ed's office and brings some bad news. Hey, uh, last scene, that fun little bit about the Harry Winston diamonds being stolen. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> but yeah, what I, you're right that that what an egregious breach of golfing etiquette. Fuck that Wayne Newton guy. This leads to the Harry Winston rep recounting her story to the McFatiff Big Three, wherein she was robbed at gunpoint by somebody who seemed nervous. And that's really all she's got. And Danny's like, all right, great. Thanks. Bye bye. Ed. Obviously, this is the Jersey mobsters, right? I mean, come the fuck on. Ed's like, their words, their bond. But I am going to want to talk to Jimmy. Yeah, Ed, again, is a man of class and a man of respect. And while while the, the mob folk may be on the wrong side of some things, if they give you their word, they're good for their word. I, I don't think we can really blame Danny for the uh, quick A to B jump here. Didn't take too many steps. Nope. That is his job. That's literally he was like, I was in the room where they talked about how they got horny about this briefcase of diamonds. It's them. Also, is this the quickest turnaround to crime setup to crime happen? It has to be. Not even the scene before, but when Danny was getting pulled in for the golf conversation, he was there to say, oh, yeah, the Harry Winston lady literally just left and is walking to her car right now. 10 seconds later, Mike, and they're gone. Like, I don't even know how that. I mean, 
obviously it took Danny a long time to get up the strip to TI to Big Ed's office, but like th- this is a record that will never be broken. Yeah, he was walking. Mike was running. <laughs> Unless the hey, that's an expensive brief. Oh, my God, it's gone. And then you panned to David Copperfield in the corner being like, Mo- Monica's jewel, uh, jewel of the Nile was close, but I think this one just set a record that's going to be real hard for us to top. The difference? Showmanship. While uh, while walking the Harry Winston rep out, Mike passes junior MIT guy who has found himself an, an actual working girl and is in the process of taking her up to his room. And Mike reluctantly gives him a pass. I would like to put a pin in this for later. But what the fuck, Mike? You're on camera fist pumping the guy taking what I'm certain is a known working girl up to her room. Yeah. Also, I mean, I will give the kid this. He tries the bullshit. Oh, yeah, she's a family friend. We're going to watch TV that Mike, uh, you know, just gives him the Jim Halpert stare on. And so he goes, Hail Mary, go Beavers, which I guess is the MIT mascot. Today I learned. Yeah. Uh, And goes for the fist bump. And that's what works. Mike's like, oh, you little rascal. Have fun up there. By the way, listeners, next time you're in Vegas and you wonder why people are checking room cards before people can go to elevators, this is why. It's not about theft. No, it's so that people aren't doing felonies up in their rooms. I mean, makes sense. They're going to tell you. And look, I'm sure there's a theft element, too. But no, this is about working girls. This is to dissuade you from taking hookers to your room. Don't do it. Crime better. I mean, let's be serious. It doesn't seem to stop people all that much. Speaking of watching TV up in a suite, Sam and Sharky are doing just that. And Sharky's like, yeah, all right, I'm good with Murder, She Wrote. Why don't you get out of here? And she starts heading for the door when she's like, wait a minute. Just last episode, Tony Shalhoub changed my life. Spins around and she's like, no, 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 Sharky, not on my watch. We don't have to gamble. But if this is going to be our last night in Vegas, I'll be damned if you're going to stay up here watching reruns. You're with me. And he's like, cool, but wheelchair yeah gonna need a little more help than just a rallying cry pep talk is a necessary but insufficient condition of me leaving this room i was very glad to see this you and i were i i'd say rightfully but fairly harsh on sam's actions last episode especially in the uh the last time she was with a client in the suite with the monk this this felt like the good character growth getting back on track that we were hoping for i agree we get another fun scene with the soon-to-be-married and the soon-to-be-in-laws going over the seating chart, which I think we all saw this joke coming a mile away. Jimmy the Chin's going to come over Carla's shoulder and go, uh, you might want to split those two up unless you're looking for actual murder on the dance floor instead of just the really fun song, Murder on the Dance Floor. And that's all well and good, but when Danny shows up to ask Jimmy if he's got a second to come see Ed, Danny makes a fatal error. Because Carla asks about her ring and instead of demurring or just outright lying, he tells the truth, which causes the father of the groom to accuse Jimmy's side of stealing. And when the pissant son, Cooper, refuses to back his fiance's position, it leads to a fucking crossfire of forbiddance in which both fathers forbid their respective child from marrying the other. This is entirely Danny's fault. One thousand percent. There was absolutely, I mean, you could just say, oh, it's bad luck to see it before the wedding, or I don't know. It's not ready yet. 
Yeah. Or it's not right. Or like any. I don't had, know. You're exactly right. I don't know. I'll ask. So, so many options. But oh, Danny boy. I'm in charge of security and surveillance, and this is at the Winston shop. I don't know. I'll ask our diamond expert. Once again, though, Carla's request was made in a very flirtatious way. Well, I mean, now that she's not with Cooper, maybe she can get a little little quick uh, 69 with Danny. I mean, he knows math. He he knows that math. That's why he has the notebook. (laughs) Despite the brouhaha upstairs, Wolfgang is running the menu by an extremely harsh critic, a.k.a. Grandma. While Delinda supervises and Danny tries to take this moment to get Delinda to take time off work. Not sure why he thinks this is the right time, but OK, not only does she reviews, but turns out her version of the list is getting very hurtful and very serious. And we've quit going from what it started out as of little things around the house that as we begin our cohabitation, we would like each other to at least think about more to I want to cut you as deeply and emotionally as I possibly can. Yeah, her two bombs that she's going to drop on Danny, like he did on his squad mates, are one, you've got to stop seeing Big Ed. Ed, as part of that, you need to quit your job at the Montecito. Yeah, really came off the top when Danny understandably said, how do you want me to see him less? I work for him and in tandem with him. I, You know, unless I quit my job, I can't really do that. And D's coming with the steel chair of, yeah, that's on the list, too. I thought the chair was aluminum. <sighs> it's a good callback. Begrudgingly, I have to give it to you, but I'm not <laughs> happy about it. Like, also, wasn't part of their favorite thing about this whole relationship is that they could fuck each other at work? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, we know Delinda does not have her head on straight. Understandably so. Sure. And to his credit, Danny tries to chalk this up to that. But Delinda storm doubles down and storms off. She's like, nope, that's it. Fucking figure your shit out. I'm out. And even worse, Wolfgang happens to walk by and confirms Danny's worst fear. And I'm not a bad dancer. Yes, you are. Wolfgang just out of nowhere with this shot. I mean, not since 1945 has someone caught a worse Austrian stray bullet than that. <laughs> oh, sometimes that low hanging fruit is the most delicious one. It's just so ripe. It's easy to reach. We're heading to the Palms, and thankfully no Malusers are in sight. But we've got Sam and Sharky all set up, and Sam wants to know some, let's get some good old tales. Wants to know the best show he ever saw. And it's a toss-up for him. There was that one time Sinatra was playing at the Sands in Atlantic City when some guy was being a drunk asshole. Or that time that Elvis and Dean Martin got together to do a little of that some more. Sam's a little bit confused because... She, like the rest of us, was under the impression that those two were not uh, particularly fond of each other. Feels like she would have heard about them doing a show together. Sharky's like, no, 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 no. This was after hours drinking some scotch with the boys in my hotel room. I mean, legend. What a legend Sharky is. Sharky's Sharky's done it well. But despite all these great stories, Sharky's really striking a cautionary note here. He's like, hey, you have to understand my greatest regret through all of this is I didn't make time for a family. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of the situation you're in right now, Sam. Anyway, look at this great Frank Sinatra impersonator. He looks fucking dead to rights. Like, and Sam is like, uh-huh. Not impressed with the verisimilitude. Instead, she's got a thousand yard stare on. Do you know that a man can father a child deep into his 80s? Sharky, fucking shoot your shot, my guy. I love it. Love to see it. Shoot or shoot, but holy God. I mean, 
he did to Sam what Sam did to the monk. Yes, it was it was full comeback. No, I don't think I don't think he came on her back. Oh, so many Chris Pratt references today. <laughs> We're just gonna build the entire episode out of them. <laughs> what are we, Hollywood? I wish. <laughs> think about how much money we'd have. It's more than now. Sam goes, what? You're really going to fucking run this line on me? Come on. He's, eh, you know, it's worth a try. Worked on better names than Samantha Marquez, which, pow, 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 pow. Sharky nags women long before it was cool to do it. And in the only cool way I've ever seen it done. <laughs> Holy shit. Sharky's a legend. Yeah. This, all, Sharky and Sam, great stuff. Love every bit of it. If he wasn't dead, I'd say there should be a spinoff show. Just the two of them. <laughs> Denise and Mike reviewed the security footage of the Diamond Heist, and it's not going to take long because there's very limited footage of it. Very little evidence was collected, and Denise has already run the background track on the security guard. It's come back clean, so inside job doesn't seem likely. And while they're reviewing the stairwell footage, trying to spot you know any of the two dozen known criminals they've got staying with them coming out, Mike notices a line of dorks has formed in the hallway outside of MIT nerd Leo's room. Mike heads up there, learns that Leo isn't going to go to MIT because he's decided to turn into a Vegas pimp, laws be damned. Look, pimping ain't easy, but probably a little bit easier than the MIT curriculum, so seems to be going well. I don't know how we went from couldn't talk to a girl without getting slapped to finally convinced one hooker to go up to his room to has an entire bevy of women and is running a brothel out of his hotel suite in such a quick show. But dude leveled up real quick. I mean, I'm guessing he's just a pure numbers game for him and he's bringing a whole bunch of would be customers to the table. But like once his high school trip blows town, like what is his edge in the market here? I it does not seem like a very well thought out plan, but then again, this is a 17, 18 year old. So well thought out plans are not exactly the forte. And look, I think this guy should go to MIT because based on how clueless he is and our experience with Mike, <laughs> he's going to make a perfect alumnus. Fit right in. He is beaver material. And I don't mean vagina. Hey, because he's a nerd. Got him. Roasted like Folgers. <laughs> the Christmas incest? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Going back to our other favorite duo of the episode, Jimmy rolls into Ed's office and goes, come on, man. No, I didn't fucking do it. Ed's like, all right, yeah, well, sure. But what about one of your guys? Jimmy, very understandably, a, a man of honor, man with code, as we've seen, says if it was one of them, they're fucking dead. Would have been a great opportunity to say, you come to be. This is the day of my daughter's wedding and ask if I stole her ring. Would have been a really good time for that reference. Would have been. It was right there. Teed up for us. Would have been a real crowd pleaser. Ah, uh, you know, some low hanging fruit, not as delicious, apparently. And so we get nothing. But Jimmy, in about uh, four seconds, is able to clock that there's no way the gunman is one of his guys. Because look at this fucking dork wearing tasseled loafers. We don't roll like that in Jersey. Armed with this information and presumably some off-camera detective work, Danny heads up to the room of the groom's parents with some Metro cops in tow. Ed mom immediately thinks they're going to jail because they drank the mini bar ginger ale 
and replaced it with store-bought cans so as to avoid the criminal price gouging, which listeners, they will throw you in prison for. That's true. And still charge you. Yes. It's a very expensive. Don't just if you can't pay the mini bar time, don't drink the mini bar crime. I'll allow it. It's long for a title, but I like it. <laughs> That's what she said. That's too meta. <laughs> but no, it's not about uh, pilfering some ginger ales. It's in fact about the shoes that Danny finds very helpfully placed right below his feet. And once he finds the tasseled loafers, dad tries to make a break for it directly into the two cops blocking the door. And as you can guess, we're going to get ourselves a perp walk with the dad and the groom and Carla and Jimmy and Danny. Good news, bad news. Good news. Diamonds have been found. So the wedding's back on. Hooray. Bad news. That means Ed's back on the hook and needs to patch things up with Wayne Newton. The the shot of Ed watching this as he is smoking one of his uh, illicit Cubans from Jimmy and the wave of realization on his face as he knows what he has to do is so good. Would have been an excellent time for a Godfather reference. Nah, you got to let that marinate in silence. I, I think they made the right call here. Instead, Ed heads over to Wayne's house and he's going to attempt to smooth things over. And Wayne's like, yeah, yeah, I get that you're sorry. But what you don't understand, motherfucker. That was the best round of my life. Never carted around that good. And Ed's like, and you didn't, motherfucker. But I digress. I'm sorry. Just joking. Even though I wasn't. I was joking. <laughs> I mean, we both know I wasn't. But we're both going to say that I was. Anyway, I'm sorry. Are we good? Wayne's like, no, we're not. You humiliated me in public. You've got to apologize in public. So Ed's going to have the Montecito Marquis not only welcome Wayne Newton for this wedding that Presumably, he's not going to do another show. So that's a real dick move for the people walking into the Montecito. I mean, I would say it's pretty bait and switch. But if anywhere in Las Vegas is going to advertise Wayne Newton, it's like, oh, OK, cool. So it's Tuesday. So, yeah, he's at the Montecito today. Yeah, fair. Wednesday, he's at he's at the Flamingo. Thursday, he'll be at the win. Like he's just he's making the rotations. But also call Wayne an excellent golfer. And Ed formally apologized on the marquee. So all is well. Hell, hell of a way to do it. I half expected it to click one more over and be like, but he still shot an 84. Congrats on your 84. <laughs> yeah. Leo is seen in the elevator and there's uh, two large gentlemen just waiting for him. It's uh, Jimmy's capos who we've seen all episode. They're getting a little close and a little closer until they just sort of smush him in between them as Mike is going to watch on the cameras and laugh. And when Danny walks in and asks what the hell's going on, Mike goes, ah, I just uh, ask these guys for a little favor. Have them rough this kid up a little bit. Scare a little sense into him. Yeah. Be a fun little goof. As long as we're doing fun goofs, I really think I should teach you how to dance. And Danny's like, no, fuck that. I like how I dance. If Delinda doesn't, fuck her. She accepts me who I am or not at all. Yeah, Dan Danny says the line must be drawn. Yeah, there will be no keep it between the shoulders for him. He's a free bird and he must fly. Look, I love that Danny respects himself and has high self-esteem. But on something that is a learned skill, why not try and get better and not lose your supermodel girlfriend in the process? It ju just add a club to the bag, my guy. Yeah. You don't only have to dance that way. 
And if something doesn't working out with Delinda, you want to be a good dancer for the next time around. You can always improve somehow. Never stop learning. What an idiot. Well, speaking of idiots, Leo must not have responded properly in the elevator because Denise is going to tell the guys, we've got a problem. There are reports of someone being dangled off the roof. And when she puts the roof cam on, Mike just laughs and goes, no, 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 that's cool. Don't worry about it. Pretty unearned confidence on Mike's part. But I guess it kind of worked because Mike's going to talk to Leo and learn that he is going to go to MIT. He's going to follow through with that. But not so much about the whole being a student part. But I'm going to pimp up there because, you know, those virgins need to fuck. And like. As far as business models go, I I like that he's identified a good customer base. Supply is a little lacking. And I'm fairly certain that the Commonwealth of Massachusetts shares the laws of Clark County, Nevada, which is prostitution is illegal. In fact, I would think that it would be even more stringently prohibited in Massachusetts, given the vicinity of Clark County that you can get away with it. It's probably a little less harsh on the punishment angle. Fucking Leo. He's going to do great at MIT. That (laughs) fucking moron. Elsewhere in the lobby, Sam is walking Sharky out with his... Well, wheeling. Lest you make the same mistake that Sam did. Our our guy's not ambulatory. Sam is walking. (laughs) Sharky's already dead. But the shitty keeper is back and Sharky wants to know what the damage is. And Sam's like, I'll, I'll mail the marker. That's easy enough. Last night's on me. Wink. And Sharky says, hey, I'm glad that I got to spend my last night with you, kid. It was a blast. Oh, hey, it's Wayne Newton. Yeah. And Sharky or before that, Sam asked Sharky, like, when will I see you next? Never. This is his last time in Vegas. This is that was the entire conceit. The the crux of that heel turn, which was a face turn, I guess, but on her heel turned on her (laughs) heel as a fate. God, wrestling is confusing at any rate. (laughs) The Saudis will sort it out, I'm sure. Well, they have no problem taking out heels or faces. But the whole the whole raison d'etre was your last night in Vegas isn't going to be about watching TV. So never, Sam. That's when you'll see him next. I had the same initial reaction, but then the way that she like leaned down and said last night was on me. I think it was more that she was fucking with the handler Mm. lady of the. Oh, yeah. Remember how you said he can't do fun stuff. Well, he boned me, which I'll buy that weird play. But I think that was where she was going. I'll also say, like, presumably he has not entered into a contract where he is elected to never return to Vegas. He could change his mind, right? I'm sure seems like it. Unless he's going in for doctor assisted euthanasia the next day. Like he could just come back. You just say, you know what? I have agency. I'm going back to Vegas. You you're fired. I don't need you anymore. I'll get one of those electric wheelchairs. Since I didn't put $500,000 a hand down, I've got a little extra cash on me. Sam paid for uh, that lounge performance at the Bums, so I'm going to throw $5,000 at some mobility enhancement. Let's go. Call today for your free mobility consultation and DVD. We get a very forlorn Cooper sitting at the bar drinking a beer. Danny rolls up and says, you know, got... Got cold feet, bud? You good? Cooper's like, no, it's it's still on. But, you know, you just threw my dad in jail. So that kind of sucks. Fuck. <laughs> right? Danny, did you black? Did you hit your head? 
Did you forget the part where you frog marched this guy's dad out of the hotel? Yeah, because his dad tried to ruin his wedding. It's not not a great run for Coop here. But our uh, our since our old capos didn't have to go pick up Leo's body off the pavement, they decided they needed a drink. They're going to just slide their way in between Danny and Cooper so they can get Cooper real nice and surrounded. Order up a round of shots and give him the old, if you hurt this girl, we'll kill you. And then a very funny bit of, oh, well, what, what are you going to do to him, Polly? Well, first, I'm going to take his fingernails. And then, I'm going to take the pliers. I'm going to go to work on the big toe. And Cooper's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Danny's like, uh, okay, guys, see. Shots, say shots, 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 shots. Ain't love grand, man. Risk, risky business, Coop. The episode's musical denouement. Wayne is performing for the reception and seems like everything up to this point has gone off without a hitch. Danny tells Delinda that, hey, you know what? You could have your list. You could micromanage me, but I'm not playing this game. You're perfect just the way you are. Maybe Danny's getting smarter. You know, he just watched what happens when you go into a really bad relationship and you have two mobsters threaten to torture and murder you, decided, well, I mean, her father would also do the same, but I'm in pretty good with him right now, so let's keep this one going. I mean, I like where his head's at. He proposes they grab dinner, but she punts, citing plans. Turns out those plans are talking to a therapist in the middle of the night. It's Vegas. They got weird Vegas, hours. baby! Yeah, I, like, I had that same thought at first, and I was like, nah, you know what? And it was a guy that Ed sent Danny to. So this guy's probably a 24-hour on-call type. Uh, and certainly when DeLine is on the caller ID. Yeah. Shrink to the stars. He'll he'll show up whenever, wherever they're meant to be together. Sure enough, Chekhov rears his head when Wait Noon calls for everyone to hit the dance floor in honor of the couple. Delinda tries to dan- drag Danny out there be like, I'm joking. I love how you dance. And while Wayne's singing Cosme's greatest hit, Danny has a seizure? I think Danny, Danny just leaves it all out there, man. I, I, I think it is our, it, it's not the best that we've gotten with this song. Obviously we had our boy Cosme, which also featured Danny with the sexy thief. That, yep. was, that was a good time, but who boy, Mr. McCoy, he's, it's a good thing to has got plans later because he's not going to have the stamina for any sex after this performance. The running and leaping almost made me think, is Danny doing this now as a bit? I had that same thought. It was this. He was dancing at Delinda. And at fucking Mike and Sam and Mary, who are watching on aghast at what is happening. The only thing that would have made this better, because at one point he does literally box Carla out to get the center of the circle for them, is like, I needed the big guy to come over and put his hand on his shoulder and be like, that's enough. And uh, like walk, uh, him, walk him to the side of the floor. <laughs> but it was it was a very good bit. It was. And it looks like the two recently joined families are going to be fine because Jimmy's going to sidle up next to the room's mom and be like, hey, I can offer your husband some help on the inside. And she's like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. That's great news. Little olive branch. No, no hard yeah. feelings. And it looks like Danny and Delinda are going to be fine because they're once again harmonious and loving. But it does not look like my Spacebook account will be fine because the episode has now ended with no explicit Godfather reference. So I ask you, what is even the point? Nary even a one. Sweating is horseshit. 
I, I'm sorry. That one, it really did feel like it was coming down to the wire because there were still multiple times where it could have happened. And it just, I, I, I think you picked the right side. As I said last time, were I to have picked the side, I would have been on yes as well. But uh, that, those, those space bucks are coming my way. He beats me. Straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. We got a tie ball game, ladies and gentlemen. We do not have a tie ball game, ladies and gentlemen. All tied up. It is 1,046 to 954. Advantage your boy. Again, the the semantics with the technicalities and the, the fine print that I thought we weren't doing you and your terms and conditions. Unlike Jimmy, I'm all about the T's and C's. Aren't we all? Ed, did you like the episode? I did. I had a great time. I... I don't think there was a part of it that I didn't. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, the Leo stuff was dumb, but it was pretty quick, pretty painless and got us some funny bits. So I'd say enjoyed 100% of all things provided. How about yourself? Other than losing the Spacebook wager? Yes. Uh, and I have the same notes as you do. I think the inciting crime was a little transparent, but what you going to do? It was 10 pounds of story to 10 pound sack. They, you know. Nothing felt rushed. I was good with it. But I do think it raises some interesting questions for the chip lead. Mm. So as a reminder, got Danny in the lead, then Sam, Ed, Mary, Mike, and Delinda. And my first thought is, while Danny kind of had some rough moments in the episode, and chief among them, I think, was throwing the wedding into disarray by spilling the beans <laughs> about the, the ring theft, that was probably going to happen anyway, and it didn't come back on Danny. Like people weren't rightly like the you motherfucker. I think Danny keeps the lead and I've got Sam at number two. She had a great up. I think I would advocate flipping Mary and Ed. Okay. Mary booked her million dollar wedding. Sure. Ed had to publicly apologize, which, you know, ate away at him because he'd apologize for something he didn't do wrong. Right. And I think you flip Mike and Delinda because Delinda is going to get the help she needs. And Mike was exceptionally bad at his job throughout this. And did a crime. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Any any suggestions? Any tweaks? Honestly, I I have no issue with anything you said. The only thing that I might offer is I might put Mary up to two. And okay. my, my logic is, again, getting this million dollar wedding sale to actually happen, I feel like has got to be a huge boon for her. And while we saw good we we got the character growth we wanted out of sam she was thinking this was going to be a big money weekend and it was decidedly not that for her because mm. her whole her whole play was not only is sharky a, a big time whale gambler but he's handing out chips to people that work for him or do things for him so she's thinking she's going to get something on the top too yeah she was very excited about him before he got there yeah and so and i i don't think it is much as knocking Sam down as it is Mary just had the biggest win. And while Sam, you know, for her metaphysical soul may have gotten a couple space bucks, we know that she puts that way down the list of things she cares about. So I'd offer Danny, Mary, Sam, Ed, Delinda, Mike. I think I can get behind that, though I would ask you, are we comfortable with the idea of Mary jumping two spots when all like I think if she weren't 
the hotel manager, if she was still just like the special events person, I think booking the million dollar package is more important to her. Mm, mm, mm. That's an interesting point. Um, because yeah, you got to figure this isn't, it. it's not exactly her baby anymore. Or even if it was what she cooked up, it doesn't affect her very limited bottom line. And yeah, okay, okay. Is that mm, no? That's that's too splitting the baby. We're not cowards. We're we're men. We're gonna make a decision. God damn it! You make a good point, and I'm gonna retract my offer. All right. Well, congratulations, Danny, on the back-to-back wins because it's gonna go Danny, Sam, Mary, Ed, Delinda. Ed, but for not getting caught and going to jail, there'd be a chasm in front of him. Michael, you fucking idiot. Oof. Eddie, from time to time, we like to recognize people who do Vegas exceptionally well and bestow upon them the McKee key. Indeed we do. What I would like to submit is that because in Neon City, time is a flat circle, we need to take away a McKee key that we would have given in the past to somebody. Go on. It breaks my heart to do it, but Sharky was about to spend his last night in Vegas watching TV reruns. He would have gotten a fucking key ring full of these based on the stories we heard. Mm, mm, I'm going to need one of them back. Wow. I need one back. Yeah. I, you know, and especially when it sounds like most of his real damage was done out in Atlantic city. Uh, yeah, I, 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 unprecedented. I don't even know if we have the power to do this, but, uh, until someone says we can't fuck it. I mean, we're the stewards of the keys. We're, we're the, the McKee janitors. The, the McKee masters, please. Okay, that's, that's much better marketing. <laughs> all, all about the advertising, baby. But I mean, to be clear, I think Sharky still is like seven. He's five. Yeah, I he's mean, Hall of he's Fame losing the low sleep over this. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. But yeah, no, this was, uh, this was an L. He did accept uh, illegal booster contributions in college. We are going to need that Heisman back. Had he pulled Sam, correct? He tried. He, I think he recognized it. He knew, like his the old brain kicked in. Seeing the Sinatra guy, he was like, "Wait a minute, I'm motherfucking Sharky. What the hell am I doing?" Hey, doll. Hey, toots. Dames like you need to get knocked up, and they call me the old knocker. Get it? Cause my dick's old. <laughs> And you have to go dung, dung. God, God help us. But is there any chance you've got some advice that you'd like to bestow on our traumatized audience? You know, this is it's it's fairly generic. It's fairly simple. If your uh, child is marrying into the mob's family, don't make the mobsters angry. It's not going to go well for you. Don't do it. If you want to keep that wedding from happening, you've missed your shot if you get to the weekend of the wedding. Yeah, I mean, fuck, call call the IRS, dude. This we all know how mobs go down. Oh no 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 no! You, I mean, not you. You fucking back channeling. Come on. <laughs> you think this guy is capable of back channeling? This fucking tennis cardigan tied around the shoulders, wet blanket motherfucker. If you're gonna try something, you don't get in there. Oh, okay. Check out episode three fifteen of our How to Crime podcast, where it's how to dime. It's a special episode. Not something we approve of. But we're an educate. It's an educational podcast, much like this one. Stitches get stitches, but sometimes you get scooped up. They're trying to flip you for the bigger fish. You got to chart a way out of it. 
You can't know what not to do unless you know what it is. This is like fucking learning the rules of punctuation. So you could be like E. Cummings and stop using periods or capitalization or some shit. Whatever that fucking tool bag did. Wasn't that him? I'm, I'm busy trying to work a coming joke in and I'm just not finding it, sadly. And we're like E.E. E. breathing hard. <laughs> Got it. Mailed it. Shut it down. Send us home. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I can't because you need to tell us what the hell we're going to talk about next time. Oh, hopefully not coming. But next time. Or, or poetry. Well, next time on Pod at the Montecito, White's Christmas. Oh, God. Because of the cum, you see. Tis the season to be lucky after everyone reluctantly <laughs> agrees to take part in its secrets and a gift exchange. And Sam gives a well a present he'll never forget. That was far more innuendo-laden than I was hoping for. God. Judson, here's the thing. I do remember this one, and uh, I think it's safe to say that next episode is not going to win us. Well, it's not going to win me any awards from any charities or groups trying to do work for troubled youth. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to be coming real strong with the Michael Jordan fuck them kids approach <laughs> to this episode, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't remember it being a particularly good one. I do wish we had gotten to this a month ago, so at least it would have been seasonally appropriate, because nothing is sadder, in my opinion, than a late January Christmas special. You know, schedules get weird, sports interrupt you, rain delays, I don't know. What are you going to do? You know, I think we're just going to take a 10-month hiatus. We'll circle back to this podcast first Thursday after Thanksgiving. Keep it real timely. Yep. Yep. In the meantime, I'll give everyone plenty of time to uh, churn through these cozy apps. Watch the show. Several times over. Eight or nine times. Yeah. You'll you'll be have a better expertise than we will at that point. And, you know, they say distance makes the heart grow fonder. Think how much more you will love our podcast if you don't have to listen to it for 10 months. Really, we're doing you a favor. Yeah. Again, not the best advertising ploy here, but uh, when all else fails fresh tactics but you've got a lot of time on your hands so there's some things you can do you could tweet us at montecito pod using the hashtags las vegas for peacock and or get cozy with las vegas al and and speaking of our twitter account oh actually you might not be able to do that yeah, well yeah the the montecito pod the twitter twitter's going rough but i once again must give begrudging respect. I don't know if you've checked the uh, the internets lately. I know with the apps going down, it's been a little tougher. I've not. But our old pal, bring back Las Vegas at Las Vegas NBC, heard your request, and he came through with some just horrendous Photoshop, like truly bad. Some Wait, of the worst what? I've ever seen. Have you really not seen this? No, oh, because shit. once Tweetbot went down. I don't even know how to fucking log in to the other account anymore. Well, kids, get ready for a live react. Some just horrendous Photoshop. <laughs> oh my god. Made made all the better because and this is true, listeners, I did go back and watch Big Trouble in Little China and if you'd give me a thousand guesses, I never would have gotten there on what that fucking movie was about. <laughs> but honestly, I think the monk showing up would not have been even in the top 20 weirdest things about it. 
if only because of the time travel aspect. Very, very well done, Twitterati. You've done me, done me proud. That'll that'll go great on our Wikia page. <clears throat> Another thing you could do during our 10 month absence, uh, you could also email us pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Eddie Mac. Letters. Squirrely thingy. Exactly. You're going to get bored. You're going to have a lot of time on your hands. What's the one thing you're not going to do? You're not going to tweet at James LeSure. As as our boy who sent the podcast learned, he was he was risking the block. He, he knows how it feels already. But I'm what can I say? Caught me in a good mood. That's uh, that was fucking great. But until those 10 months have passed, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. Deuces. Deuces.